Yeah, so I got to shout out. Great job, Matt. Shouting out to the ladies. But ladies, y'all showed up. There were over 200 women packed out in this place. It was amazing, amazing, amazing. And I just want to reiterate, Matt, what he said and say thank you to every volunteer. Man, there's so many of you guys here Friday night setting up and early Saturday setting up. And uh, it was amazing. It was so good. I had the boys in the car. We were headed over here. And I, I told them, I said, we, let's pray for mom. Let's pray for mom. So we Gavin. Gavin is six. Uh, Jaden's 11. And I said, Gavin, I want you to lead us. I want you to start the prayer. And then Jaden, I want you to pray. And then I'll close. And so Gavin's in the back, you know. And uh, Gavin's all on, he's playing with the iPad. And, and he's all about Pokemon these days. Pokemon everything. So he's, uh, he's playing. I said, okay, put the iPad down. It's time to pray. And uh, Gavin prays, and he says, God, I pray that mom won't get any booze. Not like booze, like boo. And he said, I pray she won't get any booze, and I pray she won't do horrible. <laughs> Jaden, lead us, lead us to the throne. <laughs> so, so, so then Jaden prays, you know, that's Gavin's prayer, man. He's such a, uh, such a warrior. And and uh, Jaden prays, and Jaden's like, God, I just pray for mom. Holy Spirit, give her the words to say. God, use her in a big way. And then he prayed for Hunter, uh, our friend, and uh, their animal. And he prayed, and that was special, man. I'm like tearing up, crying on the way to ladies' lift. It's not good. But, uh, man, you know, God will use and leverage your children's prayers. So pray with them. Teach them to pray. Teach them that prayer is real close. We said last week, what if prayer was like the air that we breathe? What if prayer was right there? What if our first response, how we kick off this uh, series in Nehemiah, what if prayer was our go-to? What if in our time of need, we knew that we could go to the one who holds our time? And so I want to talk to you today uh, on Nehemiah, and we're in chapter 2, so go there, Nehemiah chapter 2, and... um, I'm really excited about this. We left off in verse 4 last week, and Nehemiah had, uh, he had an incredible opportunity in front of the king. And so we're going to read this, um, but before we read it, I, I want to give you a few things today. I hope you take notes. This will help you. Um, some of you that were here last gathering, you're going um, you're gonna, to you're hear some fresh notes I left, uh, <laughs> I left half of my notes last gathering back in the front. I got it. I was like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> Hello, you're on the air. So uh, I've got all my notes today. So y'all, y'all, y'all are good. Number one, Nehemiah thought it through. Nehemiah thought it through. For four months, he'd been praying and waiting, praying and waiting. And we've talked about how that God has a vision for your life. And when I surrender my life to his plans for my life, all of a sudden, I get to live an incredible life because his ways are better and higher than my ways. And so we only surrender to people we trust, right? We only, we we say, okay, you know, I I trust you. I think I trust you. You can trust God. And Nehemiah, he thought it through. For four months, he's praying and he's fasting and he's waiting. He's waiting on God. He's waiting on God to move. He's waiting on the vision that God has for him and what to do. And while he's waiting, 
He's planning. He's preparing. He's getting it all together. And he begins to pray. And Lord, show me what to do. That's a great prayer if you don't know what to do. God, I don't have a clue what to do, but my eyes are on you. And in the waiting, he continues the worshiping. This is huge. When you're waiting on God, it might be for the right person in your life. It might be for the right spouse. It might be for the right job. It might be for your kids to come back to their senses. Or if you're an empty nester, it might be for your kids. You want them to move back home. They just had grandbabies. And you're like, oh, we want them back here. Whatever you're waiting on, while you're waiting, make sure you don't stop your worshiping. Continue your worshiping. Because while you're waiting, if you continue worshiping, God will prepare you to be winning. And he will show you and make you. He'll make you a warrior and teach you what to do. So Nehemiah thought it through. Proverbs 21.5 says, good planning and hard work leads to prosperity. How many know that God wants to prosper you? Do you know that today? Do you know that God is for you today? Do you know that God is not against you? He's for you. He is for you. He is for you. God is for you. And he wants you to plan. And he wants you to work hard. The Bible says that hard, good planning, hard work leads to prosperity. But hasty shortcuts lead to po- poverty. That's Proverbs 21, verse 5. God will bless you with opportunities for which you have prayed for and prepared for. God will bless you with opportunities for which you have prayed for and prepared for. In other words, God doesn't accidentally spill blessings. How great is your expectation? Because his faithfulness is great. So when I come to him who great is your faithfulness, and when I have great expectation, all of a sudden we see supernatural results. Verse 4, the king asked, we talked about it last week, the king asked, how can I help you? Notice he didn't say, let me, let me get back to you, king, I'm not sure. Because he had been thinking, he'd been thinking it through. He'd been planning and preparing. The king asked, well, how can I help you, man? And with a prayer to the God of heaven, that's a microwave prayer, that's a quick prayer, that's an under the breath prayer, that's a, he didn't know he was praying, but he was praying, that's Lord, help me right now. That's good to do on a ball field. It's good to do in the gym. It's good to do in the boardroom. It's good to do right before a surgery or during a surgery. It's good to do as you're teaching a class. It's good to do in the courtroom. It's just good to do just to say, Lord, quick prayer. I need you. Are you with me? It's good to do when you're preaching. Amen. Are y'all with me today? All right. Y'all got my back? I'm going to say, y'all got my back, and then I want you to say, I got your back. Y'all got my back? Y'all got my back? Y'all got my back? All right, make sure you're alive among the living. This is good. We ain't no dead church. Not good English, but it's great culture. I love that. I love to have fun in church. He replies with a prayer to God before he replies to the king with an ask. Make sure you're asking the king Before you ask a king. Make sure you ask the king. Before you ask a king. Make sure you're going to God. If you kneel before God. You can stand before any man. You stand before any woman. Doesn't matter their position. Because their position was given to them. By the one who holds the position. Someone help me today. 
So, if it pleased the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. And we're going slow. It's like a good steak, man, right? Like, man, hello, right? You, you, you don't want to just George Foreman it, man, right? Like, you, you want to get the big grill out and the smoker like we did for Gulf Breeze football team on Friday, right? And you want to let that thing marinate for a couple of days, right, Robert? And then you put that thing on there, and, oh, it tastes so good. And every bite, you're not just, like, you're just chewing it like, mm, yeah, this is good. This verse is good. He replied with a, if it please the king. You see, Nehemiah doesn't miss a beat from his dependence on God to displaying honor with his boss. He goes from quick prayer to honoring his boss. Let me talk to you real quick about the importance of honor. You see, honor means high, high respect. To honor someone means that you esteem them. To honor someone, it means that you hold them in incredible admiration. And you cannot help but Act in a way that lets them know how you hold them. Does that make sense? So children, the Bible says, honor your father and your mother. It says to obey your mom and your dad. But then it says to honor them. That means you should have mad respect for mom and dad. Come on, parents. I thought it would be a little bit more than that. That, that was a setup. That was, a, that was a setup for a spike. And we got a little tip. We were looking for the big spike. Listen, if you are a teenager, you need to honor your mom and dad. If you're in your 20s, you need to honor your mom and dad. If you're in your 60s, you need to honor mom and dad. Because it will go well with you. And you will live long on the earth. Well, I don't agree with mom and dad. God didn't say if you agree with mom and dad. The Bible said, I feel like preaching today. We're at church, right? I'm going to preach today. The Bible says honor them. So when you back talk them, that's not honoring. When you talk about them, that's not honoring. When you go in your room, slam the door, that's not honoring. Honor your parents. You want to live long or not? You want to live long or not? You want to live long or not? God wrote the book. He, he makes up the rules. He, he can do whatever he wants. He says, I will let people that honor their parents, I, I will bless them with a longer life than what they would have had if they didn't honor them. My mom went to be with Jesus. My first mom went to be with Jesus. And she's like 30, 31 years old. That's a young life. That's a very young life. But she lived longer than she would have because she honored her mother and her father. Are you with me? By the way, I told you this story last week, and I totally didn't get to where I wanted to. That happens sometimes. And I told you about the gentleman that, um, that was in a car, and he was drinking and driving. He hit us going 100 and killed my mom. My sister tracked him down last week. Tracked him down. This was her one of her um, major dreams. This was bucket list. This was prayer. This was BHAG. This was dear God. This is what I'm praying for while I'm worshiping. She tracked him down, told him that she forgave him. More importantly, that God forgave him because he's been living for 36 years with the fact that he murdered a woman. And then she led him to Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Isn't that good? That's good. Then she led him to Jesus. 
Have you got a picture of a black man and a white woman hugging each other? And that's what this world needs. And it's only possible through the glorious gospel of grace, the good news that we're forgiven. It's finished. I don't got to bring nothing to the table because he already set the table. I just got to sit at the table. All right. I got to get going. I got a message to preach. So we're talking about we're talking about honor and the importance of honor. How good are you with honor? Turn to the person beside. I don't care which side. Turn to someone. Ask him, how good are you when it comes to honor? Now, some of you sit next to your, you know, your loved one, your husband, your wife. It, it's time, it's time, it's time you start honoring. <laughs> Maybe that's what you need to tell. It, it's, you need to get with the program and tell them this message is for you. <laughs> Pastor Tim's talking to you. Pay attention. Take some notes. Now, I'm not talking about how good are you when you're honored. Not talking about that. Yesterday, after Lyft, a couple ladies met in this room and they honored Stephanie. And my heart was smiling because God is about honor. God honored us by giving his son. None of us deserve that. But he honored us. He held us in such high esteem, such respect, such deep admiration. That he was willing to sacrifice his own son. He honored God. If you ever wonder if God loves you. You wonder no more. Because the answer is in the fact that God honored you. When he sacrificed his son Jesus. Because that's how. Come on. Y'all going to help me preach this message today. I'm pretty sure. When the devil lies to you. Does the devil ever lie to you? He lied to me twice. I walked up to church. He already shot two lies at me. Two lies. I was like, I know that wasn't God. And you got to do something with those lies. The, ever, the, the devil ever talk to you about other people? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. I don't want to be alone. <laughs> don't, don't leave me alone up here with a microphone. I might hand it off. Right? The ever, devil ever lie to you about people, lie to you about your situation? He lies to you. What do you do with those lies? He ever tell you you're not good enough? He ever tell you God doesn't love you? He ever tell you God's given up on you because after all, you're just a mess? You're a screw up? You're not going to amount to anything? You're a failure? And the enemy says all that stuff? You just remind him, no devil, shut up devil. God honored me when he sent Jesus to purchase eternal life. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Tell a man, if we resist the enemy, he will flee from us. You don't tuck your tail. You give him Jesus and watch him tuck his tail and get on back to hell. That's what we're talking about right there. You don't have to cower down when he comes at you. You can say, no, no, Jesus honored me when he said, for whosoever will. He honored me. He honored People like Judas that betrayed him. And when Jesus said, Father, forgive them. He was talking about the ones that nailed him to the cross. We're talking about honor. How good are you when it comes to honor? Honor is huge. Honor is very important. Do you honor God? Do I honor God? How do we honor God? Well, we honor God with our time. We honor God with our energy. We honor God with our attitude. 
We honor God with our worship. There's many, many ways. We honor God when we're thankful. Do you know thankfulness honors God? Quit asking for more and start thanking for what you have. God, God can get you more, but he wants to know you're thankful for what he gave. The secret to your happiness isn't in the more. The secret in your happiness is in the appreciation for what God gave. Yes, yes. I love to start the day out and say, thank you, God, for sending Jesus for me. I mean, that sets my day. It's just when I realize that God sent Jesus for me, if I was the only person on this earth that needed to be forgiven, God loves me enough that he would allow Jesus to die on the cross just for Tim. And just for you, that's a, that's a game changer right there. I want to ask you this question. How good are you at honoring others? I like to be honored. When I saw Stephanie honored, I was so thankful for Elizabeth. I was so thankful for Vanessa and Deidre and mom in that room, honoring her. Because when you honor others, God is honored. That's why we do what we do here at Momentum. That's why we make sure that the music is something you want to come into, not something putting you asleep. That's why we don't like trash in the hallways or, or uh, momentum kids to be messy. That's why we want it to be clean because that we honor our guest. And we honor our family by doing our best. And when we do that, we honor God. That's why we have a parking team. You know where to park. No one's at Walmart telling you where to park. No one's waving at Walmart. We're going to have to do that. We're going to have to have greeters and hosts. But there's something about tearing down a wall for people coming or coming back to. And they're not sure. And all of a sudden, they just feel comfortable. That honors them and it honors God. When we do what we do up here and we say, hey, we have, we have guests here. We call you VIPs. Let's clap for them. We're not looking for something to fill the time. We're honoring people. Because when we honor people, we honor God because God loves people more than anything. I came home last week. Crazy, crazy week last week. I, I come home and it's Thursday. We last two weeks, we've had something every night of the week. I honest to God, we, we've we've eaten at our dinner table once. And I don't mean like we ate on the couch the rest of the time. I mean, like we were home for dinner like once. And that's not good. And you don't want to keep it that way. But I came home on Thursday and I said, I got to cut the grass. We got company going to spend the night. The next night I got to cut the grass. And I came home and my grass was cut. And I began to figure it out and ask mom and dad. They wouldn't tell me. So I started talking to Jesus. Because Jesus knows who cut my grass. Jesus said, it was Pastor Ray. So at the foot, after the football game Friday night, I said to Ray, I said, you cut my grass? And, he, you know, he can't lie, man. Ray's an honest dude. He looked at me like, yes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> he honored me. And I came home, honestly, under a burden. And I love to cut grass. I mean, my backyard was two feet. I was going to cut a lot of it. And he had cut my grass. He honored me by lifting the load. Whose load are you lifting when you lift someone's load, you honor them. And when you honor them, you honor God. Are you with me? Honor is so huge. It is so huge. 
I want to ask you this, and, and we'll, we'll move um, to do something incredible that I need your help in just a second. I want to ask you, how good are you at honoring your boss? <laughs> Not my boss. <laughs> he don't deserve honor. Trust me on that one. Not, oh, she tried. I'm not honoring her. I'll tell you what, I'd like to give her a little kick in the, you know, seeing her britches. I'm not honoring her. She's not worthy of my honor. She hadn't, she had, no, no, no. God doesn't say if they act like it. Right, mom and dad? Oh, we preaching now. <laughs> you know the spirit of God lands when it gets quiet. Like, How good are you at honoring your boss? Do you have deep respect for your boss? The one that. Like God pays our bills. God is our provider. But your boss is who God is using to provide for your family. Are you with me? If they go sour, you're out of a job. Do you hold your boss in high esteem? Do you love your boss? Do you respect your boss? Do you have deep respect for your boss? If you don't have respect for him, you won't honor him. Because it comes out of your heart. So today, some of us, maybe just a good application here is we just need to say, God, forgive me for my attitude, renew my attitude and help me. Give me a heart that will honor my boss, because when you honor your boss, Proverbs says you will be honored. By the way, who's the biggest boss? Who's our real boss? Who do we follow? Jesus. And when we honor him, he makes sure. Listen to this. Proverbs 3, 9, 3, 9. Now, I want to talk to you all just for a minute in um, this message was not built on finances, but this verse is good. Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. So we honor God, giving him the first minutes of our day. Don't spend that time. Invest that time. Let God renew your day. You give God the first 10, 15, 20 minutes. God will take care of the rest of the day. You give God the first, he takes care of the rest. You give God the first, he takes care of the rest. Say it with me. Give God the first, he takes care of the rest. Some of you are wondering why the rest is full of stress because you ain't giving God your best. Give him the first. Give him the first. And God's like, nope, nope, you didn't do that right. It's not early enough. Nope, nope, nope. You didn't. God's not all. God just wants to spend time with you. And when you spend time with God, God will make you to be a world changer. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything that you produce. I would like everyone to stand up. Would you stand up real quick? I need your help. I want to honor someone. You're going to get to watch the preacher practice what he preaches. Stephanie, would you come up here real quick? Come up here real quick. She thinks I'm going to honor her, but she's going to honor me. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I love this woman. We are going to give a shout out. To my pastor, I want to give a shout out to Pastor Brad and Stephanie White. They are, yeah, let's clap for them. Come on, church. They're my pastors. They're our pastors. Pastor Brad and Stephanie White. They lead the great Life Point Church in Tampa, Florida. God used Brad and Stephanie White to pour into us, to lead us, to teach us. How to be church planners. And I want to give a huge shout out to Pastor Brad and Stephanie. With everyone here from one of our five gatherings at Momentum Church. I want to say happy birthday to you guys. Because LifePoint is getting ready to turn. You're turning 16. This is sweet 16. So you have changed our lives. Which has changed 
our lives, and we want to tell you we love you, and we honor you today, and we're so proud of you. There are people here today that would not be here, including myself, if it weren't for you guys. Thank you for loving us and for leading us. We love you. Love you guys. Let's give them a shout, Momentum. Let's give them a shout. That's so good. Thank you, bud. I love them. Thank you, guys. You can be seated. You can be seated. Nehemiah, well, number one, he thought it through. He says in verse 5, send me. Leaders step out first. Leaders step out first. They go first. And he had a why. The why he wanted to be sent was he wanted to rebuild the city. What are you rebuilding? What you working on big? What are you rebuilding? God is in the rebuilding business. God loves to take the old and he loves to make it new. He loves to take the wrong and he loves to make it right. God is in the rebuilding business. For some of you, it's emotional health. You need to get to work on it. For some of you, it's a marriage. For some of you, it's a relationship with your boss. That's going to change because you've already changed. And now the atmosphere has shifted. And you're sitting in a place of a changed heart and a changed mind. And now your ways will be different. And God will give you favor that God couldn't afford to give you earlier because you couldn't afford maybe to respect and admire and honor your boss, but now you're sitting in a better place. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Aren't you glad you're here? You see, that's your why. And, and you need a why. What's your why? Can I ask you that question? Why do you do what you do? Why do you work so hard? What's your why? You see, great people that I've had the privilege to be around, they have a why. And the ultimate why is to bring glory to God. That's why man, that was the purpose of man, to bring glory to God. And it doesn't matter what you do. Man, we had so much fun with the football team Friday. I was, boy, I was having fun, man. I got to speak to them. We were having fun after they ate. Listen, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, man. If you're a surgeon, you'd be the best surgeon. Are you with me? If you're a businessman, a businesswoman, then you'd be the greatest businessman, businesswoman. If God gives you a burden like he did Christine Kane, and all of a sudden she had the burden that God has for sex trafficking, and God showed her the burden that he had, God could not give her the vision he had, for what he wanted to do until she felt what God felt for injustice. When the Bible says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That word righteousness means justice. It doesn't mean that your hair is not touching your ears. You've been around some, some church people before. They're a little weird. You know what I'm talking about? And they're like. I'm pretty sure she don't wear makeup. <laughs> you know, like, like what's up with that? And, and they maybe have a conviction against that. Or you're like, why don't you do that? That's, that's great. God's not talking about your outside appearance. He's talking about your heart. And so God gets a hold of this girl named Christine, and she's a little thing. Just a little thing. But God's the big thing. And God loves to take little things and to do big things with little things because then God gets to someone help me. God gets the glory. And so God reaches down and he breaks her heart for what breaks his. And he gives her his burden for 
All these, you'll see it a little bit later. We have a walk coming up. You'll see the video. I want every one of you to be there if you can and walk with Steph and I and walk with many Christians, with the body, the the church, as we're going to walk to draw attention to 29 million people that are 29. Do you know slavery not only exists, it exists at a greater, greater, unbelievable, staggering number than it ever has. And it breaks God's heart. God wants justice there. So maybe you're like Bev and God puts it on your heart to do something big and to let you do something big. We don't do something big for God. We just say, God, I surrender. And God does something big through us. And he says, yep, yep, you're going you're gonna to fix this. You're going to fix that part. You're going to fix that part. We're just all in God's army. That's all it is. And it's about us. It's not about one of us. It takes a team. Are you with me? It takes a team. That's right takes a team. And so I love that. I love the fact that God can choose us and then God can use us. See, God chooses us. And then when we surrender, God uses us. It's so good. Well, number two, Nehemiah set a deadline. You see, a vision becomes a goal when you provide it, when you provide a date for it. A vision becomes a goal when you provide a date for it. If you're going to do what God wants you to do and God's showing you maybe your marriage or your business or rebuilding this, rebuilding that, maybe getting your grades up, maybe becoming a better athlete, maybe whatever God, however God's working in your life, you need to set some deadlines. That's what he did. Nehemiah set deadlines. Number two, Marcus Buckingham said with leaders, the future calls to them in a voice they cannot drown out. The future is more real than the present and the future compels them to act. You see, action, or let me say it this way, vision without action is a daydream. Vision without action is just the daydream. But action without vision is a nightmare. It's a Japanese proverb. Verse 6 says, the king with the queen sitting beside him asked, how long will you be gone? When will you return? And after I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. Notice when the king asked the question, he didn't say, I don't know. Notice he didn't say, I got, I'll get back with you. Let me figure it out. For four months, what had he been doing? Praying, planning, preparing, worshiping. And while he was doing his part, God was doing his part. When we do our part, rest assured, kick back, take it easy, relax. God's doing his part. God never slouches. God never slumbers. God never sleeps. That means God never snores where he can't hear your request. God is alive and he's watching us. And God is looking. The eyes of the Lord are upon us today. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are upon us and they're looking to see whose heart is fully his. In other words, God's looking where he can bless and who he can bless. I love that. I love that. So the king asks a question. Well, leaders, write it down. Leaders are prepared to answer. Preparation is huge if you're going to be a leader. Leaders are prepared to answer. We see in verse 5, Nehemiah saying, send me. And in verse 7 and 8, Nehemiah is saying, give me. Oh, that leads me to my next part. Here we go. 
We're going to talk about making the big ask. Nehemiah made the big ask. This is number three. Nehemiah made the big ask. He needed letters. He needed visas, passports. He needed safety. He needed timber. He needed building supplies. So I also said to the king, if it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of Euphrates rivers, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. Notice that he knew there was a forest. He'd done his homework. He did his due diligence. Notice he knew the man's name. He had prepared. He had prepared. He said, I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a house for myself. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. Why was he successful? Because the gracious hand of God was on him. Why are we successful? Because the gracious hand of God is on us. Why has America been so great? Because as wicked, as wicked as we've been at times, there has been a remnant who has fought from their knees saying, Lord, forgive us. Have mercy on us. You listen to me, church. Listen to me today. You listen to me. Don't just make your mind up because I'm a this or I'm a that. I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat. And I'm just going to vote that way. You better get on your knees and ask God who he wants you to vote for. If my people, if my people, if my people, God can do so much with just a little bit of time. God doesn't need you to have it all figured out. He just needs you to get in line. That's all God needs. Every time, it'll work every time. We just get in line. If my people, Israel couldn't figure it out. That's why they were in the mess they were in. And Nehemiah had to provide the leadership. Because God's people forgot about God. They said, we want our own thing. We're going to do it our own way. We're going to marry our own women. We're going to do it. We're going to raise our kids how we want to do it instead of how God said to do it. Let God be true and every man be a liar. We got to get back to God. God is the answer. God bless America. In God we trust. That's the answer. So before you vote, because you're a Republican or a Democrat, you better say, God, who you want me to vote for? Are you with me today? I'm just trying to talk about that. Not pushing anyone. But America, if America's gonna be the country God wants us to be, then America must get on her knees and repent. And America must confess, and America must forsake, and America must turn back to God. And it's not gonna happen in the White House, it's gonna happen in the big house, God's house. That starts with us, it starts with me. Leaders make the big ask questions. Four things, real quick. Four things I've learned about making the big ask. If you're a leader, if you aspire to be a leader, if you're going to be a leader, you're going to have to ask questions. You want to ask great questions. And you're going to have to ask questions of people. In other words, you're going to be uncomfortable. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. If God's going to use you, he's not going to use you on the lazy boy. I wish. A little sweet tea. (laughs) Just, Just... Oh, wouldn't that be good? No, 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 no. Uh-uh. Four things I've learned about making the big ask with a K. Number one, 
it always requires courage. You see, courage is a fuel to leadership. If you're going to ask the king, if you're going to ask your boss, if you're going to ask your parents, if you're going to ask your principal, if you're going to ask your coach, if you're going to ask your district manager, if you're going to ask your president, if you're going to ask your CEO, you're going to have to have courage to make the ask. Where does the courage come from? From the waiting, from the worshiping, from the praying, from the fasting. I stayed up till 3 a.m. working on this message, and I already had the message written. God's got something for us today. Courage is a fuel for leadership. Number two, the, the longer I lead, the bigger my ask gets. Not trying to be funny. I'm telling you the truth. I've learned this lesson. The longer I lead. When we started this church, I, I thought the big ask questions that I was asking people to do, I thought they were huge. I look back now, I'm like, dear God, that was K5. <laughs> the longer you lead, right? Like you ask your children, stay out of the road. But then you ask your teenage daughter, stay pure. Those are two different conversations. A whole lot more hangs in the balance. Are you with me? You see, as we lead, the longer we lead, the bigger the ask gets. I've learned it. Number three, it allows others to experience God's blessings. Frankie and I, we were at Dreamland Barbecue. Went there. Pastor Jim was there This as we were starting the church. And we're there. And Frankie said to Pastor Jim, he said, man, I want to ask you a big ask question. Because we were reading Bill Heibel's book, Axiom, and he chapter two says, make the big ask and leaders are readers. So Frankie jokingly, but kind of planting a seed because that's what we do. He said, man, I want to ask you a bit. And Jimmy said, what'd you say? What'd you say? What'd you say? And he said, man, I want to ask you the big ask question. And Jimmy hit the table in Alpharetta, in Roswell, Georgia. He hit the table and he said, I'm in. I knew it. I knew God wanted me to come be a part of Momentum. I'm going to leave my job. I'm moving to Gulf Breeze and I'm going to be a part of this plant. And Frankie, Frankie and I both went. Yeah. Other people get to experience God's blessings when we make the big ask questions. Don't say no for people. Ah, oh, they got too much on them. Are you kidding me? Man, if you're, if, if you're walking with Jesus, you got some, something holy, something fire, something enthusiasm, which means in theos, which means in God. If you're in God, you're going to have enthusiasm. You're going to have some passion. You're going to be able to handle it. You can do that. It allows others to experience God's blessings. And number four, it builds God's kingdom. So we got to get comfortable with making big ask questions. Leaders make the big ask. Leaders are not afraid to ask for help. It's better to get 10 men to do the job than you or me to do the work of 10 men. Some people burn themselves out and live low and don't accomplish what God has because they're too proud or too scared to ask for help. Matthew 7, 7, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Did you hear that? Keep on asking and you will receive. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Keep on seeking and you will find. This ought to be your verse if you're in sales. If you're in sales, this is your life verse right here. Keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking. 
God works. Y'all think I'm joking. I'm not joking. I was in sales at a time, and that verse, man, I declare it over my life. Just wear them down. They'll buy it. God works through his servants. God works through his servants to accomplish his will. God uses us. He works through his servants. Verse 9. When I came to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, I delivered the king's letters to them. The king, I should add, had sent along officers and horsemen to protect me. That's favor. He didn't ask for that. He got more than he asked for. God loves to give you more than you ask for. God loves to send a flood of blessings your way. Are you ready? Are you, do you, can, can you handle it? Can you hold it? Are you expecting it? You see, leaders, verse 9, experience God's favor. Leaders experience, spiritual leaders experience God's favor. The king's heart is like a stream of water, and it's directed by the Lord. He guides it wherever he pleases. Proverbs 21.1. I love the fact that the king sent his secret service for Nehemiah. Verse 10, but when Sambalat, the Hornite, and Tobiah, let's stop right there. Tobiah's name means God is good. But he wasn't acting worthy of his name. I meet people sometimes, their mom and dad gave them a biblical name, gave them a godly name, gave them a strong name like Caleb. We have Caleb up here. Caleb's amazing. By the way, did y'all catch that? A few people on the team, like our team, they, they wrote the song. They wrote that song, number two, what a savior, what a savior. They wrote that. That, that wasn't, that, that, was, that was our church. That was birthed out of momentum. That's holy. I want to get to where I'm going. Tobiah, the Ammonite official, when, he, when they heard of my arrival, they were very displeased. Let me just tell you, not everyone's going to celebrate your success. When you arrive to your destiny, when you arrive to where God is calling you to be, when you arrive to receive the vision, there will be a lot of people Satan sends your way that they're in distress. They ain't celebrating your success. Your arrival is the statement, the proof that they're stuck. So leaders will have opposition. Mark it down. But you don't need everyone to celebrate you because you already have the great God that celebrates you. And we're only living for an audience of one. And if, if God is for me, who can be against me? We say that every Sunday at Blackwater. That's how we close. We say, if God be for us, and the men say, who can be against us? That's awesome. You need 200 men saying that. Buddy, son, I'll make the hair on your neck stand up. You see, to oppose Nehemiah would be to oppose the Persian king. There's no opportunity without opposition. Some of you think, some of you got mad at God because you surrendered to God. You said, use me, and then there was crazy opposition. You got saved, and nothing was happening, but then you're like, I need to be baptized. You got baptized, all of a sudden it's like hell broke loose. And you've stopped following Jesus because the devil's trying to intimidate you. Let me tell you something. Don't give the enemy the credit. You realize that what the enemy means for evil, God will use for good because all things work together for good to those that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. All things, not some things, not a few things. It's all things. It's buttermilk biscuits. And I don't like the buttermilk, but give me the biscuits because when the heat comes on, something changes and the flavor is worth smacking some butter on and eating it. Give me some honey. Come on. Someone help me. 
Some of y'all feeling the heat in your life, but God is trying to help you rise so he can serve you to other people. Don't confuse the opposition with the fact that God is against you. God's not against you. He's not against you. He is for you. You're going to have opposition. Listen, go with the people who celebrate you, not the people that tolerate you. Do life with the people that celebrate you. Surround yourself with positive people, not negative people. If God is blessing you financially and other people are like, cut, God bless you, God loves you, I just don't want you at my dinner table. That's right, that's right, isn't it? That's right, that's right. Get some new people around you. Walk with the wise and you'll become wise. Not walk with the people that are jealous because you'll become jealous. Walk with people confused, you'll be confused. Walk with dumb people, you get dumb. That's his plain simple. Walk with smart people. Walk with the wise, and you'll be wise. God has more for you. Will you surrender so you can receive it? Will you, will you ask God for the courage to maybe make a, maybe, maybe the big ask you need to make is of yourself. Maybe you've not been giving God everything. You've just been... Don't, don't, don't. Man, we got one life, for real. We got one life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. You got a short time. I got a short time. If we live 115, it's short. We'll be 115, you know, don't take away my keys. <laughs> I like going 20, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right, right? Only one life. And young people, if I could tell anything to young people, I was your age sitting in school and I was looking at a person with gray hair and I thought, they're old. And then I got old. (laughs) Do you know how quick life goes? It's but a vapor. It appears for a short time. And then it's gone. I've done a lot of funerals and every funeral people wanted more time we have time today matters you can make a decision today to change course to reroute to stop going your way and allow God to save the day trust in the Lord with all your heart don't lean on your own understanding in all your ways in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight <laughs>